1: Christ is now homeward we go. Be strong in the Lord. Be not as children tossed to and fro. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord in the power of His mind. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord. In, the Lord. in and and each the and each hour. Be strong, strong. In the Lord. Spirit has made, be strong in the Lord, you who were darkness walk now in his light, be strong in the Lord, redeeming the time in his love.
2: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. It is sometimes so very, very difficult to walk this road with Jesus. And part of the great difficulty in this day is that we have grieved the Holy Spirit from us. And we have an institutional religion. We don't have the Jesus of Scripture. Oh, I listen to men and women preach, and they have such erudite messages and such wonderful explanations. But in the midst of all of that, there's just an absence of the Holy Spirit. I've been crying out from the time I was a young child saying, Lord, 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 where is your Spirit? This is not what I find in the Scripture. And then, of course, I entered ministry and I got busy and you have to do the work you're supposed to do. But all the time I find myself feeling something's wrong. This isn't working. And I don't understand why. Something is not right. And then as I. Have matured over the last years. I often in the spirit find myself in the throne room of God. On my face. Weeping before him. Saying Lord. Lord there has to be a pouring out of your Holy Spirit, or who can be saved? A standard of righteousness has to be lifted up over this nation, and a call to repentance has to be made. I don't know what to say to you today, except let's pray. Lord, I come in the name of Jesus The Messiah, the Savior. And you came and you ministered among us. And we crucified you. You were hated. You were spit upon. Lord, we don't like to be spit upon, and we don't like to be hit. We don't like to be scorned. We don't like to be hated. Lord, in this world, there's something wrong. Desperately wrong. There is an absence of your presence and your Holy Spirit. And that has to change. Or we will be swept away. Lord, I come today pleading not just for the pagans, I come pleading for the pagan Christians. I come pleading for the Christians who don't know that something is wrong, that they think this is normal and natural. And then, Lord, I come and plead for those like myself who know something is out of order, something is wrong. There is a demonic evil spirit that has shrouded the face of the church that has somehow grieved your spirit away. And Lord, we come and we weep before you. And we say, Jesus, Jesus, this has to change. And we stand on your promises of sending the Holy Spirit. And we cheer our hearts by your promises Jesus, I am lonely for you. I need you with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my mind to come, Jesus, and look honestly at at what I have done in the past, what I have not done in the past, and what your call is now to come and wait upon you to trust you. So, Lord, that's how I come today. I come to wait upon you. I come to trust you. Oh, Lord, would you come today and meet the cry of our hearts? And, Lord, those who have no cry in their heart, would you bring a cry in their hearts for you, Jesus, for the spring of living water to well up in their hearts? Come, Lord Jesus. Mighty King, come. And take your place on, our, on the throne of our life. Be our King, our Lord, our Master, and send your Holy Spirit. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Yesterday I shared with you a passage of Scripture in John the 7th chapter. This is the last and greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles. High priest has gone out and and filled a a silver basin with water from the pool of Siloam. I stood at that pool of Siloam some time ago and swept off the water with my hand and washed my face in the pool of Siloam. I said Lord we need living water the priest would take this water into the temple he would take it to the altar and there he would pour it into a silver basin or he would pour it on the altar they did it differently at different times it was the celebration of the coming of messiah who would be the spring of living water. Jesus watches this. He is the spring of living water. He sees them going through their ritual, and it is empty, it is devoid of him. He has come to his temple, and they have not recognized him, they hate him. Jesus stands up in a very loud voice, he calls. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. In other words, don't go to that pool of saloon water. It won't quench your thirst. It can be poured out ritually in the tabernacle, the temple. That won't quench your thirst. Rituals won't quench your thirst, he says. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. So something's going to happen when we come into encounter with the real Jesus of Scripture, not not theology, not doctrine, as important as doctrine is, that's not where that's not where we find Jesus. He's a man, he's God, he rules heaven and earth. If we believe in him, if we make a decision that he's going to be everything for us, it says streams of living water will flow from from within you, rivers. Literally, rivers, not a few drops, streams of living water will flow from you. And by this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Well, we find the Holy Spirit was given to King Saul. He was come upon by the Holy Spirit, and began to prophesy. Or the Spirit of God came on David, King David. The Spirit of God came upon Elijah and Elisha. Great things were done. Do you understand the difference? The Holy Spirit came upon them from outside. Now Jesus is saying it's changing. It's going to flow from within you. He will dwell in you. The streams of living water will not come from outside of you. They will come from within you where he and the Father and the Holy Spirit have now made their abiding place. As in John 15, abide in me. and I will abide in you. It's a concept so radically different than anything we've ever thought about. It's hard to wrap our arms around it. But I want to look with you at two very uncomfortable passages of Scripture. Romans, the third chapter. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Oh, not at all. We've already made clear that the Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. There's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is not one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their way. And the way of peace they do not know. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, accountable to God. Therefore no one will be declared, declared righteous in the sight by observing the law rather through the law we become conscious of sin what is so absolutely necessary for us if we are going to begin to deal honestly with who Jesus is is recognize those deep buried wicked roots that have been in all of us this morning I was in the prayer closet I was before the Lord and I began to weep I said Lord there is not one good thing that dwells in me that is, in my old nature. Anything of value or anything of good that dwells in me is a result of Jesus, my Lord. It's not from me. It's from the darkness. I have nothing good that naturally dwells in my soul. Until we can come to terms with the absolute depravity of our hearts and the absolute righteousness and innocence of Jesus, we're not going to be able to deal with the reality that we're lost. Oh, we can just get by, we can talk to people and laugh and joke. until we come to that absolute clear understanding that we are lost people, that there's nothing good that dwells in us, until we can go before the throne of God and lay on our faces and weep before him and confess the utter, utter, total depravity of our souls, we won't come to terms with what it means to be crucified with Christ Jesus. This is not some casual exercise. This is something that requires an understanding, a knowing that no good thing dwells in me. That is in my unregenerate nature. In Romans, the seventh chapter. Let me read this for you. I'll begin with verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, I do. If I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. Until we can get a hold of that and begin to really understand that, we won't understand the very dangerous place in which we stand as semi-religious people or half-converted Christians without the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to come and show us this truth about our hearts. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. It's necessary for me to absolutely understand what he is saying here. It's necessary for me to get a hold once and for all of the truth that I am an evil, evil man in my natural self. And if we skip past this and we don't understand why the wrath of God should be upon us, then we can never treasure the gift of salvation that he pours out for us. There must come an understanding, a deep knowing in our spirit that we are utterly wicked before God and utterly undeserving of His grace. Utterly undeserving of His mercy. That there is nothing in us that should garner this wonderful gift of life from the God of heaven. It is strictly out of His grace and mercy. It is out of His goodness, not out of my goodness. We live in an illusionary world, or should I say a delusion, thinking, God owes me something. Other people owe me something. No, God doesn't owe me anything. And none of you owe me anything, except if we come into Christ. We owe one another the debt of love because of the great love of Jesus Christ has he poured out his heart for us on Calvary. Now Jesus is so very much unlike us. He came to be baptized by John. He tried that is, John, to turn Jesus aside and say, no, 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 no. It's amazing to me that Jesus should come into the world and he begins his ministry by going to be baptized. And man says to him, even a righteous man says to him, oh, no, 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 you can't do that, Jesus. Yes, John. I must be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. You see, we don't even understand what it means to fulfill righteousness. It means to obey every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus is baptized. The Holy Spirit comes upon him in great power. The fullness of the Holy Spirit comes upon him. The father says, this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. And then Jesus is immediately led by the spirit into the barren desert where men die. And there, after 40 days, now utterly weakened, close to the point of dying, the devil comes, the tempter comes. And he says, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And all of these loaf-shaped stones were laying around in the desert where he was. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Oh, Satan revealed the truth of his heart instead of bringing bread and water to serve Jesus. No, he came to tempt him. You are the Son of God. Tell these stones to become bread. In other words, Look, Jesus, You have the ability. You're the man. Take care of yourself. Don't wait on God. Thrust yourself forward. Make choices and decisions for yourself. You know what's best for you. Go after it. And Jesus replied, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus recognizes that we do need food, we are in bodies that can die. But it is written, man does not live on bread alone. No, there's a higher place of living. And that's every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's the higher place. Then the devil took him to the holy city. Had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered him, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. God is the one who does the testing, not man. So now, Jesus has the first temptation, which is to thrust himself forward and take care of himself because he can't trust God to give him direction or to provide for him. And Jesus says, no, no. I'm going to live by the word that comes from the mouth of God. Then Satan takes him to this high place and says, give us a demonstration that you are the Messiah. Leap here into the, into the yard way down below. People will see it and they will know then that you have done an awesome miracle and you will thrust yourself into the crowd and they will follow you. Again. The devil comes to you and to me, and he says, Go ahead and reach out and grab that gusto. Grab what you think you love. Grab what you think you need. Go for it. Prove that you're somebody. Go for that promotion, even if it means putting down your brother or your sister. Push yourself forward. Be somebody accomplish your goals don't sacrifice yourself for anyone for any reason put yourself forward the Lord says Jesus answered it is written do not put the Lord your God to the test he's answering from scripture This Jesus, who is now filled with rivers of living water that flow from his belly for the healing of the nations. He is going before us, and he is telling us, don't put yourself forward, but let God be your provision. Follow the direction of the Lord God of heaven. Have you ever waited on God? I have. I'm doing that right now. In my life, I'm waiting on God for the fulfillment of several vital life promises that without which I will die. I wait on him. He said to me, wait upon the Lord. The Lord will carry you through. It's terrifying because you come to a point where you recognize you can no longer have the time to rescue yourself. If he doesn't rescue you, all is lost. It's in his hands. Your life is in his hands, not your hands. And then the temptation comes to thrust himself forward. And he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, put yourself in a situation where you can just believe and have faith that everything will work out. You can buy that car. You can do whatever you want to do. And you're just going to go forward and believe that God is going to work everything out. He hasn't told you to do it you haven't waited on him and jesus is saying no do not put the lord your god to the test well then comes what i consider to be probably the most difficult of all satan took him to a very high mountain and there in technicolor, showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and all of their splendor. And he said to Jesus, All this I will give you, if you'll bow down and worship me. Satan knows what he's saying. He's saying, look, Jesus, there's a shortcut. You want this world? You want these people to belong to you? Not a problem. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to to live a, a hard life. God, look how look how God has treated you. You start the ministry and off your sent into the wilderness. You know, I talk with some people who are Christians. And they say, Pastor, you're wrong. God does not take his people into the wilderness. Oh, yes, he does. Anyone who says that to me has no experience in the truth of who Jesus is. Always the first place he will take any person who decides to follow him is into the desert. And then sometimes we make our home in that desert place And we can live for years in depression and discouragement and hardship. Or we can absolutely confess to Jesus the depth of the iniquity in our hearts and ask him to uncover every place of agreement with the powers of darkness and ask Jesus to totally change us and make us into a new man. Now, when we're converted, and that word converted in the Scripture means a sharp turn, a sharp turn. When we're converted, we turn to Jesus Christ and we surrender our life to Him. Our past sins are all wiped away and we no longer walk in the wickedness of the world. We are a new person in Christ Jesus. We reject the devil and his work. But as time goes on, we begin to recognize as we're led into the wilderness that there is a great deal of immaturity in our heart. And there's a great deal of the rooting of wickedness in our spirit. And these things have to be uprooted. They have to be pulled out. They have to be changed. Now, a person who comes to Jesus and is truly converted will not continue to walk in any known sin any known rebellion against the Most High God. But then he'll begin to highlight and spot things in our life that grieve the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will say, please cut that off. Cut that off. He said to me, turn your television off. I just purchased a a large screen television. This has been thirty years ago. <laughs> Paid a thousand dollars for it. Beautiful Sony large screen. Not the big, big screen, I think it was a thirty seven inch. The Lord said, Cut it off, turn it off. Don't watch it anymore. So I had to turn it off. It was probably the best decision I'd ever made to turn off that television. It was a drug to me. It was poison to my soul. I couldn't read the scriptures and watch the television. Many of you are in that same place today. The Holy Spirit has spoken to you and you've resisted. You've rejected. See, these things begin to be spotlighted in our heart. Lust begins to be spotlighted in our heart. And the Lord said, turn away from that. Let me fill that empty place in your heart. And most of us don't get through this quickly. John Wesley said it takes a second touch. A crisis moment where we finally say, look, I'm tired of this. I can't go this way anymore. I have to be washed and cleansed at a much deeper place. Transformed. This is what they believed at Azuzu Street, the starting of the Pentecostal church. This is what happened at Azuzu Street. This is the preliminary to their being filled with the Holy Spirit and starting this great Pentecostal movement that today is almost totally watered down in America and has become corrupt. Av- as have most church denominations. So Jesus is taken to this high place, and he looks and he sees all of the beauty. And I'm sure Satan took all the wickedness out and just gave Jesus a a beautiful view of everything. And he says, bow down and worship me. And I'll give it to you. Today many people. In America. Have taken that from the devil. And said yes. I'll bow down and worship you. Some of the most famous. Hollywood people. Have said yes to the demonic. And they are sold out and possessed. Robin Williams was one of those. He wanted success more than anything else. And he discovered that the devil was willing to give him the success and the money. And he would go on stage and by his own confession, his own admission, he would be taken over by a spirit. And it was a filthy spirit Often filthy, dirty jokes. And he was eminently successful. But that demonic presence that invaded his heart would speak to him and speak to him. And he finally had to drown it out, and so he began drinking alcohol. He became an alcoholic. And finally, the alcohol would not drown out the devil's voice. And it was at that point, he said, the only thing I can do to drown out this voice is to kill myself. And Robin Williams committed suicide. Jesus knew that he could not take a shortcut and he could not bow down and worship Satan. Do you know that? Do you know that you cannot bow down and worship Satan? that you have to come to terms with the demonic roots and twists and injuries and bruises that have been inflicted upon your heart and your life. And you must not turn to darkness, you must turn to the light, to Jesus Christ. And Jesus dealt with this by saying, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him. And the angels came and attended him. Jesus would have died in that wilderness. It took the last ounce of strength and energy he had to fight the temptations of the devil, Not that God could be tempted. He could not be tempted. He would not give in. He was God. But it was a battle royal because he was weak in his natural body from 40 days in the wilderness. It took all he had to turn the attack of Satan back. And the Lord God of heaven sent the angels to attend him. Jesus was victorious. And because he was victorious, we can be victorious. Now, the very tough question comes that I raised yesterday, but we need to look at it again, is in this John 7 passage. He says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he means the Spirit, whom those who believed in him would later receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. He was not offering to have the Spirit come upon them, but to enter into them. Our life is to be a, a river channel, but God will not mix the pure water of the Holy Spirit with the filthy water of a sinner man. There must be a cleansing by the blood of Jesus. Have you ever walked down a river bed that had dried up and the stench of the dead fish The snapping turtles have long ago pulled out and looked for another bed of water. The mud drying and caking and stinking, filthy. It's a riverbed that is not fit for fresh, clean water. It's going to have to be power washed out. It's going to have to be cleansed and all the debris removed the boulders taken out the Lord wants to flow in your life in my life in a clean channel there's no place in this channel for the the snapping turtles of bitterness and anger Rejection. There's no place in this channel for hatred. There's no place in this channel for pornography, lust, fornication, rancor, selfishness, pride. Everything has to be cleansed. It can only be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, I shared with you this passage in Romans, the seventh chapter. This is not Paul saying this is the normal life of the Christian, as some misunderstand the gospel. Romans 7 is talking about a Jewish man who's doing his best to keep the law, but he doesn't yet know Jesus. And he finds the law is impossible to keep. And he despairs in his heart of ever being able to be delivered from the muck and mire of the channel of his life, of the riverbed of his life, And down this channel flows anger and violence. Down this channel flowed that which caused him to persecute the Christians and to kill Christians, to throw them in jail. This is the Apostle Paul. When Jesus came to him on that Damascus road, He cried out what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death if you have said I'm a Christian but you still continue to walk in your sin you are still a wretched man or a wretched woman You are still under the law of sin and death. And what are you going to do about that? You see, we we look at our culture and we kid ourselves, we fool ourselves, we deceive ourselves, we trick ourselves into thinking that we're okay because we're just about as good as everybody else around us. That's not good enough for Jesus Have you you been filled with the spirit of the living God and does he flow from your life like a river of healing for others? Does he flow like a river of love and care and compassion for others? Or are you filled yet with selfishness and self-interest and desire for the ascendancy and grumbling and complaining and Then you, my dear brother, my dear sister, are still under the law of sin and death. And we need the revival power of Jesus to come. When we see his glory and we see his majesty, all we can do is be on our faces and cry out, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? In the brilliance, in the light, and the glory of Jesus Christ, we must come to terms with our wicked hearts, and they must be changed, we must be transformed, we must be washed by the blood of the Lamb. This is not a, a casual washing, this is a conversion. And then it's moving on to that wonderful second touch of Jesus where he even cleansed the inner channel of your heart. The Holy Spirit will only come to a clean channel. Now he says, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. That's why that sinful nature has to totally die. Not be contained. Not be restrained. But killed. Put down. Chapter 8 is the description of of the real Christian, but many of you still live in Romans the 7th chapter and you've made excuses have you ever dealt honestly with what Jesus wants from you Paul says therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus It doesn't say for those who are in a social church It says, in Christ Jesus. There's only one place. I said to a a dear brother, don't keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You have to be in Jesus. That's what Paul says. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Read again carefully John 15. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit, the Spirit of life, set me free. And so he condemns sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be seen in Jesus because God won't see you. It doesn't say that. Jesus is our judge. He's looking at us. And he wants the righteous requirements of the law to be fully met in us in reality, not in fakery, not in make-believe, but in reality. He wants us to live according to the Spirit, not according to the sinful nature. It says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind, is hostile to God, or literally, in the Greek, it hates God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. My brother, my sister, we've come to a place where we must let the Holy Spirit deal honestly with us and expose everything that flows in the riverbed of our life. That everything of uncleanness would be shut off. That everything of the human nature would be shut off. That Jesus himself would flow in our lives. In order to allow him to have that freedom to do that in our hearts. We're going to have to confess everything of darkness in our soul. We're going to have to let the Holy Spirit come and search our hearts and everything of selfishness to be shown up. Everything of darkness to be shown up. (laughs) Are you willing to do that? Lord Jesus, I pray for every person listening. I pray your presence for them. I pray, O God, you will take them into that place where they can finally see the true condition of their hearts and see your beauty and righteousness and light and have them say the same thing Paul said. What a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? You, Jesus, are the deliverer. Thank you. I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. Thank you for listening. I apologize. We've not been able to get the video up on YouTube. There are some technical problems that I've not been able to resolve yet. Hopefully soon that will be repaired. Well, join me again tomorrow. We're going to continue this study. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of his glory
1: with great joy, with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our...
0: Hello, I'm Mike Mende-